Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with Text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to one of the most beloved and technically adept rappers in the country who sits atop the hip-hop heap and exudes a self-confidence that's bold and tangible. This multi-award winner has given us insights into her anxieties and ambitions and musical journey through her music, all while being her own biggest champion and blazing her own path. I am, of course, talking about Rouge. Rouge, welcome to the show, girl. How are you doing? Oh, my God. That was amazing. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. <laughs> you wrote that. That was so good. <laughs> I I wrote that. You see, because what we, what we like to do here at Text Talks is I like to make you feel comfortable, right? A hundred percent. I feel it. hundred. That was, that was amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. So what we like to do at Text Talks, right, apart from making people super comfortable as they mm-hmm. step in, is to take things back a little bit, right? Sure. So I want to know, growing up the youngest of five siblings yeah. and the only one not born in Congo, yeah. uh, which, which is your, your nationality, would you go back to Congo with your family? And do you feel like any sort of um, connection with your nationality? Or do you feel like now South Africa is your home and there's a duality of sorts between sure. being South African and, and Congolese? Good question, man. Um, gosh, I've never. I've, firstly, I've never been asked that before. That is a really lovely question. Um, in you. terms of where I feel more at home, definitely South Africa. I mean, I was born and raised here, but my, you know, my Congo is my family. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I never had the opportunity to go back. I actually was supposed to go last year, but then obviously COVID had hit. My fellow South Africans. Um, and I was going to go with with my dad. Um, cause my father, um, my father actually goes back quite often cause he has a number of children's hospitals, um, that side oh, wow. that he had created. Um, yeah, my, my father, cause my dad is a oncologist, um, and a pediatrician. So he, he really has a thing for kids. Um, and he has a thing for specifically children in Congo because it's considering the fact of how impoverished it is. And mm-hmm. that's the stories that I've constantly heard. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to see, I, I, I want to see where my family comes from. I want to see what, what made me who I am. You know what I mean? Considering the fact mm. of all the values and things that have been instilled in me. Um, but I do feel my family is my Congo. I feel like they did such an amazing job, even though I've never been there. I know so much about it. I feel very connected. I'm still able to connect to the languages. I'm still able to connect to my cultures and the traditions that that come with it. So even being able to go home as nervous as I am, which I think is okay because I've never been there. Um, I don't think that I'll feel that out of place because of the fact that I was made very aware of where I come from. Um, so I kind of feel like it's it's a duality. It really is a duality in terms of South Africa mm. is, um, you know, where I was born and raised, but my heritage, my bloodline is Congolese. And that's something that will never change. And I'm very proud of it. Mm. Well, being born and raised in South Africa, you're a Pretoria girl at heart. Yep. <laughs> and you studied drama and film at Tux. Shout out Tux. Um, yes. Because rapping was not necessarily part of the plan to begin with. So talk to me about your theater dreams. Like, were you thinking Broadway or were you thinking more close to home, like market theater? 100%. I was, I was, my, my plan when, when I, shout out Tux of Nix, guys. Um, <laughs> my plan <laughs> was, 
I really wanted to, um, I wanted to go to Broadway. I wanted to do musical theater. Um, I actually planned to, you know, go, go audition for The Lion King the moment I was done. With, um, wow. you know, with, with my, my varsity degree. Um, that was, that was literally the plan. And then life was like, no, Pan, we have something else planned for you. Um, which, you know, I'm okay with because wow, what a, what a journey panned out to be. Um, but yeah, that was my love. That was something that, um, I had seen myself doing for a very, very long time, literally from high school, you know, doing all the house plays, doing all the theater, all the estate fits, all everything that came with plays, everything that came with musical theater, I was involved in. And that's what I decided, you know, to, to pen my life as. And then God was like the biggest joke. You can tell that <laughs> biggest joke. And I mean, yeah. I mean, sure, it sounds like you were right in the thick of things in terms of like drama and performance. So, 100%. So how, so how did the foray into rapping come about? Because I mean, yes, it is performance, but it's the furthest thing from musical theatre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like with with the rap thing, and, and that's the thing, like, yo, let me tell you, you did your research. Um, I, I didn't care for it. I, I didn't. And that's the honest word that I can use, um, okay. you know, that. I, I I wasn't even listening to it, you know, when everyone is doing their battles and ciphers, I'm running to go to a play rehearsal. Um, I, you know, I wasn't even really listening to it. And it really came with um a friend. His name was Turbo. Shout out to him. He he really he was the start of all of this for me when he was doing rap and he wanted to get into the rapping thing. But seeing that I did musical theater, I obviously sang. And he actually um, had asked me to please, yo, listen, can you please just, please, can you just sing on the song for me? Um, I just need, you know, a few harmonies, a few things here and there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, you know what, cool, whatever. And I did. And he was like, dude, do you know you have a voice for rap? And I'm like, that's not a thing. I've, that's People don't say that. <laughs> a voice for rap. Dude, you're lying. And um, he's like, no, really. And, and then he, he, you know, he pushed me to try and write my first rap. And after I did, I could not see myself doing anything else. It came so naturally to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I really think I need to see where this goes. Because this is, this is so much fun. More than mm -hmm. anything else, it was fun. And it made me mm -hmm. happy. And that's that that that's what I was looking for. Things that made me happy. And it, by when time was going by, while I'm I'm basking in this happiness, I'm also practicing to become something that I am now without even realizing it. And yeah, through that journey, you know, I, I took the time to really you know learn the craft, um, practice, find the cadences, find you know the flows, study the bars, finally doing yeah. research, learning about the Lauren Hills and the Lupes and the Jay Zs and you know the the logics of the world. And yeah, I, I was immersed and I fell in love and I knew that I wasn't going to do anything else. You know. It, it's like learning any craft. It's like learning a language. I always yeah. equate it like that. There's only so much research that you can do before you actually have to get practical with it and start speaking the language. So exactly the same with music. There's only so much research and theoretical things that you can do before you have to get on stage and actually perform. Yeah. So like, are you getting involved in ciphers? Are you like eight mile rap battling with people? Like what's happening? Me, and it, oh gosh, let me tell you, starting <laughs> off was bad. Starting off, starting off was, you know, being in studio, rapping amongst, you know, my friends, rapping around amongst Turbo and stuff, easy. But then it came down to, okay, but if you're going to do, you have to rap in front of people, like actual people who don't know you and mm -hmm. who might not like you. And at first that was easy for me because I did musical theater. I kind of felt like, you know, my degree kind of prepped me for, you know, being prepped for whatever happens on stage. And, you know, at first it started really well. Like I, I was never nervous on stage ever. Um, it, it, it's, it's something that kind of, I wasn't prone to. And I think because of the fact that I did musical theater, but I remember this one show, I will never forget it. My goodness. And the thing is, I wasn't nervous. Um, I did my my sound check, and people even watching this the sound check was for a competition, and I'd won I'd won the main competition for Pretoria, and I knocked out all the mm -hmm. boys um, in PTA, and um, yes. I was the only person chosen <laughs> to go represent Gauteng, um, um, and I go to the main competition, do my sound check. Everyone is so certain this girl's gonna win, 
I was certain I was going to win. Um, then when it came down to now do the real thing, I went blank. Like your songs playing. Yo. I'm going zuba 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 because I don't even know how to freestyle. I don't even know how to save if you forget lines. And I only caught myself maybe 30 seconds into the song where I finally got it. And it was done. It was over. And um, and that just let me know I, I have a lot more practice to do, you know. And mm-hmm. that's when I started doing a lot more competitions, doing a lot more free performances. Wherever I could perform, I did. Um, mm. Just so I could get in that space of when I'm prepared, when I'm not prepared, um, you know, how to handle a crowd if they, if they are enjoying it, if they're not enjoying it, if they don't care, how to become a better performer. Um, yeah. So it really was a journey. Did you feel like when you dropped your first single party, you were ready? No, <laughs> not, <laughs> not at all. Um, and that was, you know, I, I, I guess also because like, the whole idea of, you know, recording also wasn't a thing for me. I had mm-hmm, not necessarily mm-hmm. known how to record. Um, till now, I don't know how to count bars. When people say 16, drop us, it's like, what the hell does that mean? I rap till I'm done. That's what it is. And, um, you know, when Party came out, I still wasn't sure of who I was. Mm-hmm. I was still I was still experimenting and that's why I felt like that's the best way that I can take this. I can take this as an experiment of seeing how people react to me because there are no female rappers at this time yeah. um, really, you know, in the game. Um, you know, so I, I, I didn't know necessarily what to expect. So I felt like, you know, expect anything because I'm still figuring out um, who I am, what I'm trying to do, who am I trying to be in this industry. And that must have been quite a significant time for you because Party blew up and it went straight to the top of like the 5FM charts. Yeah. And it's kind of like dropping somebody in the deep end of the pool and going, now swim. Here's all the success. Yeah. <laughs> Learn how to navigate it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that must have been a crazy time for you. No, it was. It was. like, But like I said, it's one of those things where you couldn't plan this, man. You, you really, mm. really couldn't plan this. It, it really was just like... You had to go with it, but as unprepared as I was, I knew that, you know, it would be very silly for me to kind of back away out of fear because I, 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 I wouldn't know where it would take me. So I kind of had to flow with it, roll with the punches, you know, go with the good days, go with the bad days, go with the good responses, go with the bad responses and learn um, and learn as I go. Um, because I, I, I still believed in that whole idea of, you know, um, you know, preparation meets opportunity. So I always made sure I was prepared as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember the first time that I really took note of you because you totally slayed uh, was on AKA's Baddest Remix. Yes. And yeah. I, ju- like, I just thought that that was, your feature was just so great. And like, Thank you. That must have also been huge for you because at the time, AKA was everywhere with levels. Yeah. And yeah. how did the two of you link up and get to making music? How was that connection formed? Can I tell, what an interesting, this story is, it still tops. I still laugh about it with him. Um, It was at a show. It was, again, like I said, guys, go to every show possible. You will never know what opportunity waits for you there. I went to a a gig. Um, I was told, listen, there's a show here. You're not getting paid. Uh, Do you want to (laughs) jump? And I was like, "Uh, yeah. And... Um, I went with my friend, shout out to Big Star. Um, me and him went together. Um, and I performed. Performance was terrible. Mics were not working. Music was cutting. Like it just, it almost like they used my set as sound check. That's oh what my God. I felt was happening. And, um, but I, I, I gave it my all. Um, I never stopped performing. When the sound would cut, I would find a way to, you know, make it look cool. I would, when the music would cut, I would tell them to stop it. And then I would, I would do like a freestyle here and there. Crowd actually interacted with that. And um, I get off stage and um, immediately as I get off stage, security gets me. And I think I'm getting bounced because they were cr- pretty aggressive. The way they grabbed me, I thought, wow, this performance was that bad. Okay, this Uh is actually... Because I'd also never been really to a club. Like, I wasn't a clubbing person. So I thought this is what happens at clubs. You're like, oh my God, they're throwing me out the club. Yeah, I I thought I was being thrown (laughs) off. Like, I was like, damn, guys. I Like, damn, this is bad. Um, But they ended up taking me 
to the VIP section. Never been in a VIP section before. I literally watched that red rope lift <laughs> and they put me through it and I have no idea what I'm doing there. And they just told me, stay here. Um, and they were like, the boss wants to talk to you. They didn't even call oh, him, AKA. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? This is a freaking mafia. I had no idea what was going on. And then I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn around and it's AKA. And he's like, no, I just wanted to talk to you and tell you, you are incredible. Um, the world is not, he just gave me the most incredible words of wisdom. And, um, yeah. And I went home happy and I thought that was enough. Next day, this guy's tweeting about me and saying, you know, that this girl is, is next. This girl has things going on and keep in mind, this is the time when nobody knows me at this time. It's mm. all the other girls who are known at this time. It's, it's, you know, it's the GGs, it's, it's Moosley, it's Fifi Coopers, it's, it's the Nadia's. I was not known at all. Um, but then I get a phone call from AKA asking me to be on the song. And I, I almost felt unworthy um, because I knew I didn't have the numbers. I didn't have the backing. I didn't have the fan base um, as they had. And, but he still saw something in me. And I think that's kind of what, what drove me to write, I'd say one of the most important verses of my life. Mm-hmm. And I took, and I went into that studio and I took one take and he told me not to do another one that it was done. One and take. Yeah. That was, that was a one take that I did. And wow, that was it. And ever since then, I've had such an crazy, like amazing relationship with this person who's just done everything, but just, he's just always been supportive. I think he's mm-hmm. one of those people who have been supporting the females in the game way before anyone even cared for girls in the game. So, yeah. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's tough in this industry to find people who genuinely have your back. Yeah. And it sounds like that's the case with AKA. Hundred, hundred percent. You know, I have, I, I listen, I know there, there's a lot of conversations about that person, um, but there's nothing necessarily that I, bad that I can say, because I've had nothing but incredible experiences with this person, this person that mm-hmm. showed up for me every time I needed him to show up, whether it be with one by one, you know, I got the verse, whether it be even for the music video, not knowing how I'd get it done. This person showed up, this person bought his own outfits and, you know, he's like, whatever you need, I'm here. You, he, he always showed up when I needed him to show up. So I have nothing but love um, for somebody who, did something that people really weren't expecting for females in the game. Yeah. You know, I think to like a larger extent to expand what we're speaking about, I think it's incredible when bigger artists take on a mentorship role of sorts and introduce the scene to upcoming talent. Like Maporisa does it, Ricky Rick does it, Sinister does it quite a bit. And, and you do it too. Like on, on the popular remix that you dropped at the beginning of this year. I mean, yeah. it's packed with next wave artists. Like Costa Titch, Blackie already doing the things. Yeah. Phantom Steez, Hannah, who I'm yeah. obsessed with. I think that she's incredible. She's nuts. She's nuts. Do you make a point of keeping your ear to the ground to discover new talent that you could potentially give a leg up to? 100%, 100%. It it really is that thing of, you know, um, paying it forward. You know what I mean? It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's that time where I finally feel like I, I am in the space where I can help, um, the next person and all those people, the beauty that came also with, uh, you know, that, that remix was that I'm a fan of all of them. Like mm. it wasn't even just about, oh, let me give them a leg up. These people, they held their own. They've been holding their own. And it it wasn't even a thing of helping. It was a thing of this is a collab uh, with people that I'm so honored that would even want to be on the song. Um, they are crazy talented. They're crazy hardworking. They're so professional. I think I got all of their verses in less than a week. And that is something really rare that um, I felt like this industry lost. You can chase people for months on months on months (laughs) just for 16. And with these people, every single one of them, it was like a day after the next of calling them. Yo, can I please get this? That just shows how hungry they were. And um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was exciting. So I'm always looking at, you know, you know, who's, 
who's really, you know, who really has an ear, who's, who's really doing something that I really vibe with and that what I would love for them to, to consider me somebody that they'd want to work with. So it really goes both ways in terms of, um, you know, feeling very honored in the fact that, you know, they see me as well as somebody that they would like to work with too. Mm. You kind of took mentoring to a national level though on Vuzu's show, The Coalition. Get your yeah. power play game face on. Only one can be part of the coalition. Like, what was that? What was that experience like being involved in that show and being very hands-on with the people who were on that show as well? Wow, the coalition, man! You took me back. That was <laughs> crazy. That was that was fun, man, and fun in terms of it was different. It really was. This wasn't just any type of competition. This was really an opportunity to, you know, help creatives. You know what I mean? Help creatives yeah, find their yeah. voice. Help creatives find their brand. Help creatives, um, you know, lead them in a space of, you know, um, what gems they can take going into the real world, um, you know, whether it be the entertainment space, going into the real world of just being a professional, being able to be taken seriously, which I think... Um, a lot more shows are needed in that way. You know, not just being in the front of the stage. You need the people who know how to handle the business side of the entertainment space. You need mm. the people who know how to make the context. Um, these are things that we don't get to learn. You just see people in the front and you think they just got there. And that's not <laughs> how it works. There's so much legroom that needs to be that needs to be made. There's so many stepping stones that you have to get to that you we don't learn about. Um, so I really appreciate that show for creating something that I know a lot of people took away from where they're like, wow, I don't know that I don't even know that I could do that um, in the industry that I don't necessarily need to be in the front because what if I am shy? What if I I want to just be, you know, a, a creative behind the scenes that makes, um, you know, what people are seeing on television or being in the, you know, the the agency space. So, um, yeah, it, it was important and it is important. I think a lot more shows need to be created like that. So people know that there are other ways as well and other spaces that they're needed in. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed the coalition for that exact fact yeah and i thought that it was very unconventional in terms of like a reality show you know what i mean exactly 100 percent. Do, do you still keep in touch at all with any of the people courtney is literally one of my best friends um ever since i met her on the coalition um because obviously she was um a judge just like me and mm -hmm. Till today, I was actually having a fat conversation with her just today, just talking nonsense. Um, obviously, just with the the panel, every single one of them I've kept in touch with. Lassie's way blew up, as we know, he was on the show. Yeah, massive, massive, massive guy. Um, Mpo worked with him for my festival. He's now one of um, my partners in um, my festival that is Tribe Nation Music Festival. And he has one of the biggest gaming companies. And now we work together. So it's it's amazing, man. It's amazing the relationships that you can build. And just in terms of the work relationships that have been built, whether it be from the judges or even just the, um, you know, the contestants that were there. I'm watching Mpo become a mogul right now, working with the likes of, you know, um, um, dimples with pop bottles um so yeah it's it's amazing seeing how everyone is coming together so before we continue with the episode we would just like to tell you about something that is very close to our hearts over at text talks and that's the people of south africa during these unprecedented times those who are the most vulnerable have had to shoulder an almost impossible burden the daily struggle to find food the never-ending lockdowns have made an existing situation worse, with those in need struggling to find a solid meal. Enter Essay Harvest. Essay Harvest is based on four essential pillars, the first of which is food rescue, eliminating hunger and food waste through the redistribution of quality surplus food that would have gone to waste underpins everything that they do. Their modus operandi is unique in South Africa as they use refrigerated vehicles, which means they can deliver perishable as well as non-perishable food, enabling their recipient organizations to get a sufficient variety of food to provide full and nourishing meals to the people. So head over to essayharvest.org now and donate. And now back to the episode. 
Mm, so, you know, you've got all of these things going on at the same time, right? You've got the coalition yeah. and you're researching and you're writing, but where do you find time to step in the studio and then record your New Era Sessions album? Oh my gosh. I had to, literally like what I'm doing now, I had to take a sabbatical. Um, I, you, you, <laughs> you have to make a choice. I, I made a decision. I spoke to my team. I was like, listen, Ginger Mac, do not book me anything for a month. You tell people Shout out Ginger Mac. I'm not available. At, and, and that's what I had to, you know, you just, cause, and it, it's just like, it's that panic of, you know, opportunities keep coming and you feel bad to say no to them. But I'm an artist at first. I'm an artist at heart. That's the reason why, you know, people um, opened up to Rouge because of the fact that I gave them music. And that needs to be the core of me forever. And that is the core of me forever. So I kind of need to bring myself towards myself and literally just say, stop. No, no. I have to say no for a certain period of time so I can focus on the thing that I love most that has given me all these other opportunities. So, yeah. I mean, there must have been such a feeling of validation after you dropped New Era Sessions and it debuts at number two yeah. on the iTunes chart. It wins a couple of awards and the film that you release along with it also wins a couple of awards. Yeah. Um, that that Taking that sabbatical and then it doing so well, you must have been like, okay, this is definitely a good decision. Like I should definitely <laughs> do this in future. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> No, 100, 100%. It was really rewarding, man, because um, that was hard. It was a really hard time just, you know, finishing the album, you know, listening, just your ears are bleeding from listening to things over and over. The movie, oh my word, let me tell you guys, the movie was... I was actually having a chat with a ginger mac. We, we were like, that might have been possibly the hardest time in our lives. <laughs> Shooting really? that movie. Because we shot that movie in five days. And it was literally no speed. Five days? Yeah, we shot that movie in, in literally five days. So Monday, to, we had to be done by Friday. And it was, it was hard. It was cancellations, losing venues, losing actors, um, just things going wrong, left, right, and center. I... I I cannot tell you how everyone cried on the Friday when they said it's a wrap. Everyone was just on the floor crying because <laughs> we couldn't believe we did it. So when it ended up winning the award, it was so rewarding. It was really rewarding. Mm. And it just let us know and let me know just what, I, what I'm capable of. Because um, especially during that time, I wasn't sure anybody cared for Rouge yet. Um, I didn't have, um, I didn't have, you know, a number one single. I didn't have a massive brand. I didn't have millions of followers. I don't have... Um, I don't have any of those things. I just had a project and I hoped people would care enough to go listen or discover me and discover the project. And they did. And wow. Yeah. It really just, you know, it really just let me know, don't be afraid, man. You know, the worst thing that could happen is just people say no and it, that's okay. And it's insane how many people said yes. It was amazing. I think that off that album, Dololo stands as a kind of anthem of sorts yeah. because now talking to you and hearing your story and hearing everything that you've gone through and your your thought process in the lead up to the album that the first line like I'm a CEO yes. you don't know it which people scream yeah <laughs> it's crazy um it 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 makes so much more sense in context you know what I mean yeah Hundred, like hundred percent, hundred. And and that's the thing. You, you write these songs without knowing that you're kind of speaking them into fruitation. Because <laughs> mm. um, that was just a fun song. Um, Ginger Mac is doing those other voices, the Vrupas and stuff. I'm a CEO. That was a joke. And <laughs> wow, did that not blow up in my face? Where now it's just laughing of ha ha ha. I gave you your number one. It was it was nuts. It's it was. It was fun and I'm glad that people got the fun out of it and where people were able to just quote it, create quotables from it and really just find that bossing up in it that I didn't even realize was being created. Mm. How do you feel about that track now when you hear it and you perform it? Because, you know, sometimes when people have a track that blows up and it becomes, you know, their, their biggest song, yeah. one of their biggest songs, and then they, they need to perform it a thousand and one times and they hear it, they're like, actually, just turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know what, for me, honestly, I will never get tired of it in terms of performing, 
You just mm-hmm. see people's face, the way people's faces light up when they just hear that first beat. I don't even have to play the, like, you know, the first five seconds. They know what it is. They know what's about to happen. Um, and I think that's why I also like, you know, the amazing team that I have from my dancers to my DJs to, you know, everyone in terms of producing and how we edited it, um, we want people to have an experience when they hear that song because we know how much they love it and that it's been supporting it. Um, so I never get tired of it. It's it's so cool to see how happy, you know, a song can make people. It's amazing. Mm, and that song makes your fans really happy. Yeah, <laughs> it does. They love that song. But what I was very interested to learn was around about this time you were offered a record deal. Yeah. And then you waited for about two years before you actually signed the record deal because of of some advice from your sister, who's a lawyer. And I want to talk about your sister because I read that she offers a lot of really expensive advice for free on Twitter, which I think is great for for young artists so that they can inform themselves. And I'm I'm all about that because I don't think... Um, that there's enough information out there for young artists to get their hands yeah. on and to make informed decisions, you know, yeah. for the better. What what advice did your sister give you? Sure. Um, I'm so blessed to have her. She played a major, major role in just me becoming the artist that I wanted to be. Um, mm. Firstly, she told me not to rush to sign. Um, to anyone because there's this this panic that comes and this this um you know this idea that people get when they hear label and they hear all these um you know these huge labels and and you think oh you know you sign and you think you're going to become the next Beyonce and it's not that um and she really told me you know listen this is not the case do you know how many artists all these people have and if you're going to be relying on labels to give you you know, that gratification, if you're going to be relying on these labels to take you to where you need to be, that's not going to happen. And, um, you know, she really told me to trust in myself first, create, create such a following, create, um, create my own label in terms of a support base that Mm -hmm. if I don't want to sign, it would be okay. Um, and that's, that was very important to hear because of the fact that like, You hear so many stories of people just signing and they chill for years and they don't release and, Mm -hmm. or they do release, but there's no push. And now you're stuck in a contract that you can never get out. You can never get out of because you have to ride those 10 years through, but 10 years is enough time for people to forget you. Um, And it was, it was important to hear that because I was scared because I was just like, sure, but how do we do that? You know, there's, there's, there's funding that's needed, uh, radio plugins. And she's like, dude, there's always a way. We just, we haven't first taken that step. We need to agree to this. Now we take the steps of finding the right people. Now it's mm-hmm. in terms of now becoming knowledgeable of, you know, percentages, becoming knowledgeable of Samro, becoming knowledgeable of needle time, becoming knowledgeable of airplay. What does all of these things mean for you so that no one can really screw you over? And yeah. she literally made sure to do the research first and then she ed- educated me on it. She literally decided to, um, you know, her being in the corporate space, you know, corporate law, working with multi-million dollar companies, decided to, you know, also now go and do an extra course with no time that she had and go into music law as well and educate me and deciding, you know what, she feels like she also needs to educate other people because you hear all these stories. And that's when she decided, you know, to go online and give information to people. And she's helped so many people so shout out to you know um um carol witty she um she you, if you guys will just go online um you know you look for carol witty she's there and she really gives all the information that you need to know in terms of music space in terms of percentages in terms of samro in terms of you know when you're about to sign to a label what could possibly happen what should contracts actually look like um because people don't have the luxury to have that i know not not a lot of people have the luxury to have a, the fa- a sister like mine you know what i mean i'm very lucky that she's blood so i get the best information um as possible um and yeah so she really she really unlocked me with a lot of information that i needed that made me more confident to not sign until 
I was ready to, because then when I was ready to, and when I went to Sony, it wasn't just a signing my life away or whatever. It was yeah. a sit down. It was a collab of a contract. It was an agreement of they knowing that I knew what I was talking about, them understanding exactly the type of artist that I wanted to be. And that this was not just going to be a relationship of take, take, take. This was going to be a give and take relationship where both of us are happy. Yeah, it sounds like you both were all parties involved. You, your sister, especially Sony, all sat down and really made sure that the contract was going to work for you. Which is the well, most that contract went thing. back and forth, let me tell you. <laughs> it was it was <laughs> a back and forth for months because there were things they wouldn't move on. There were things we wouldn't move on. And it was about finding that common ground. And it's about being able to, you know, to, to stick your ground and, and, you know, knowing the type of artist that you are, because I finally felt like I earned that and they finally understood mm. that, okay, she really did earn this. Um, and yeah, so this is how we need to, we need to play these things. So I'm, I'm in a space where all the decisions in terms of, what type of artist I am are mine. And it's an amazing space to be in. In my mind, you were doing pretty well as an independent artist at that time. Yeah. So what did signing that record deal do and mean for your career in terms of elevating it and taking it to the next level? I think it's exactly that. It was about taking it to the next level in terms of, I felt like I had hit that point of how far I could go in terms of independence with, excuse me, Independent in terms of um, the context, independent in terms of no longer wanting to just be, you know, an artist of the people. I wanted to branch bigger. I wanted to now hit Africa. I wanted to now hit um, outside of South Africa. Um, I wanted to be in a space where now um, airplay was easier to reach because it's very, very difficult as an independent artist. Um, but I knew that now I could play with the field of, I have this brand, but I also know there's opportunities that do come when you are signed with a label. And I was very aware of that. Um, and now it just came with, uh, okay, guys, this is what I have. This is what I can bring to the table. What can you guys bring? And being able to do that together, it gave me things that I'd never gotten. I had never gotten just a, a number one in terms of not, not just like hip hop number one. I mean, all genres across everything, across countries. Mm. And I was able to get that purely on the basis that I was able to be connected, you know, to the right spaces. I was able to be connected to the right radio stations now, not being, you know, finally also being in a space where I could just focus on the music and no longer have to, yeah. you know, have to spread my time so thin where I have to always be also on the business side of things, but my music is suffering. So therefore the creativity is dying because I have to worry about contracts. I have to worry about um, going to the radio stations, making sure music is being played. I could officially be an artist and let other people handle the business side of things, which is very, very important. It is very important. And you know, Ruja, I think one of the things that I really admire about you is your confidence and how unapologetic you are about how you want to do things your way. Thank you. Um, and that's from like the contract with Sony to, you know, your social media. Yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget there was there was a tweet that you tweeted and it it I think it said something like, honestly speaking, I'm the best female. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and I think a lot of haters hopped on that to which you responded, like, I think the problem here is that most of you think I'm asking and I'm not asking, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I just you know, I thought that that was so great. And I watched it all go down on my timeline. And I think that what a lot of people missed about what you were trying to say was that you were not about to wait around for any boys to tell you that you're dope. 100%. You know that you're dope. 100%. And that and that, that confidence has to come from within first. 100%. And I mean, I was just wondering what you thought about, I mean, obviously we know that misogyny is rife in in hip-hop yes. on a global scale not not only a local scale but it's this idea that like people and men in hip-hop expect women to think less of themselves mm. which which i mean i wanted to know how you 
like are combating something like that obviously with your social media and your very like frank tweets i love it yeah but how you go about maybe breaking that stereotype I think one thing that people know comes with Rouge is that she's never afraid to take on the boys. That that's mm. something that I made it very clear from the moment I entered this industry that I was not going to shy away and have this thing of oh ladies first men men after. I was just like no we are walking into get let's do this. You know what I mean? Um I was mm. never in the space where I was going to let these men think that I needed any favors or they were doing me any favors. I made it very clear that I'm willing to rock all of you. Guy girl, I am I, look, anybody can get it. That that was very important for me to put out there because it was very clear that you know no one felt like the girls had what it took um when mm. we were coming out it was it was a thing of you know um it's a thing of we needed the men to give us the okay we needed you know these guys to give us all the cosigns great and well fine that was that was cool in the beginning but then afterwards it's like okay what do we have to offer and i'm not gonna i'm not waiting to be a first lady that's one thing i refused i said I will not be a first lady to no guy. I won't. I will be mm. president, whether you guys like it or not. And if that means I have to work <laughs> 10 times harder, which is always the case for us females, of course. that's exactly of course. what needed um, needed to happen. And even with that tweet that happened, it, wow, it, it blew up. That was, it was it so funny. Um, and funny enough, with that, with that tweet, the first person who called me was AKA and he called me <laughs> and he was like, yes, Rouge. Yes, that is what we are talking about. Own it. Be proud. You need to say this because why is it okay for us guys to say it and it doesn't trend because it's fine. But why is it now? Why is it massive hearing a girl own her power? He went on this rant about it and he was like, that's exactly that. You hear these guys gassing themselves on every song, every single song. I am that guy, best guy in the world. It's and it's a norm. And the moment a girl said it, it's like, oh, what? She owned her power? Oh, she said she's the best? It's like as if you guys were going to make me wait for somebody to tell me I'm the best. <laughs> what am I doing in this game if I don't believe that I'm the best at what I do? Um, and yeah, and I owned it. Until this day, there's nobody, you know, as much as I wouldn't say haters. I just think I just think it's, you know, hip hop is it's a combat sport. Round one. You know, it's competitive and it's everyone's camps coming in, defending their camps, which, you know, I expected that was that, that was fun. You know what I mean? Um, but till this day, I haven't had anybody try and come at me with a song or a diss track or whatever, because everyone knows what I'm saying. And I back it. I don't just talk it. I walk it. I walk it in the music I make. I walk it in the business mind that I have. I walk it into the space that I'm in. I made a decision to have my entire team completely male just so they can see a woman lead and that they can take that into their own homes and into their own relationships and knowing that um, they all follow me and they allow me to lead them. They allow me to be, you know, to be the head of this and they respect it. And, and that's literally the decision why my entire team is male so that could, they could see this happen and understand that it was okay. And wow, do they not push me and make sure that I own it. And yeah, it's amazing. I love what you said. Hip hop is a combat battle. Yeah. I love that. Like, I'm going to I'm going to make a note we need to make the tagline for this show <laughs> ready for war 100% 100% proper but I love how also on the cover for your popular remix I love this like underneath everyone's got their photos Costa Titch Hannah Blackie everybody underneath your photo it says the best female rapper and female is crossed out. Yes. And I, I interviewed D Koala recently and we were talking about how absurd it is to put the word female in front of anything yeah. because we don't do that with a man. Yeah. We don't say male this, male that, male rapper. Yeah. We don't do that. How far do you think we have to go in this country for things to really equal out? Yo, we have a very long way to go. We have, because you know what? It's not. It's not even just about that. That is just. That is just the surface. You know what I mean? That is just mm. very light conversation. This goes into so much more deeper things, much more darker things like gender-based violence, just misogyny, yeah. just how 
you know, being a woman in South Africa right now is just dangerous. You being born a woman is hard. It's like you have so much that you have to prepare for mentally, physically, emotionally, um, just being our sex and just being our gender. Um, so with, with that, that's how I was saying it's, it's, it just comes with so much more with that. That's how I know it's, it's going to be a long journey before people can just cross that out. Because if you can't just respect a woman walking across the road and not catcall her, if we still need to be worrying about what we are wearing, if we still need to be crossing the road because we see a group of guys are about to, you know, come towards us and automatically we feel a sense of fear. If we literally need to be worrying about driving at home at night, um, because we have no idea what could happen and literally nothing could. And why should we have those type of fears? But it is, it is what we have. Then mm. conversations about female rappers, it's still going to be there. If just that, that just daily life, um, that we are, we are, um, how can I say that we're supposed to have, you know what I mean? It's not something that we're supposed to ask for. If these are the things that we're still trying to figure out, these type of you know surface conversations it's going to be a long journey but i do believe at the same time it is important like the likes of you know Dikuala, the likes of myself all these girls it's important how you know we bring this across in our music we bring it across in these interviews and we talk about how we are not just female rappers guys we are rappers we rap Mm. beside you we're on the same stages as you we're on the same radio stations as you we're on the same charts as you guys um so there is no difference um and it's gonna it's gonna take time it's gonna take time but also on the other hand of that i had a conversation with someone who also made me think of "Hmm, this is actually very important as well that you know on the other hand of this, the idea of being a female rapper should not necessarily also be seen as a bad thing. Um, and I was like, hmm, tell me, you know, why do you say that? And they mm-hmm. were like, because a lot of the time, this whole idea of being a female is constantly be seen as weak. It's constantly being seen as bad. It's constantly being seen as, you know, something that's not to benefit from. And he, he, he was like, you know, you want... You want the younger generation, you want your daughter, you want your, um, you know, whatever to to honestly be okay with being a female rapper because it's incredible. We literally can do things these men can't do. Um, we have the luxury to be called a female rapper and just a rapper at the same time. They don't. And um, I was like, that's actually incredible to think of. Um, you know, yeah, we that's need very to own it. We really need to own, we need to own our power of being a woman. We need to own our power of being able to bring a softer side, a feminine side to something that has been deemed so masculine and can only be mm. deemed as masculine. And that's not the case. There are so many facets to this hip hop space that people um, had forgotten because we were told we need to be masculine. We need to put our pants down. We need to be swearing every two seconds. We need to be grabbing our crutches. And it's like, no. Let the females give you another perspective that you guys never, ever thought of. And mm. that was also a very important conversation to have because I do want the next generation to know that you can own both. If you want to be known as a female rapper, that's okay. If you want to be known as a, as just a rapper as well, that's also fine. But don't feel bad for being either because your femininity is probably one of the most powerful things about you. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that a brand that really ch- champions all sexes and all nationalities and all genres is Jägermeister. 100%. And I know, I mean, they work with rockers and rappers and DJs yeah. across the spectrum. And I know that you have enjoyed a really long, fruitful relationship yes. with them for a while now. How have they contributed positively to your career? My goodness. I don't even know what to start. <laughs> um, First things first, they are definitely my longest family that I've been with. I actually think they might be my first. My first deal that I ever got was Jägermeister, which was years. Yeah, I think maybe four years, four or five years ago. And it, yeah, like I think I sat across the room with Bia and automatically jumped on. And gosh, I think the, the reason why this relationship has been so fruitful is because it was not just a relationship of 
you know, we're the brand, you're the artist, do this and that. It was a collab. And mm. they really wanted to, to see how they could really help me become the artist that I wanted to be. One thing that I had put across to, um, to Jägermeister is how I didn't just want to be a rapper. I wanted to be an artist, a festival artist. That was something that I put across to them. And I was like, I just don't know how I'll get there because I want to be traveling. I want to go to places I've never been. I want to I wanna be on stages I've never been to. And mm. Jägermeister, honest to God, has put me on stages that I never thought I would ever get the opportunity to perform on. And it's, it's, it's dreams that I sit with artists. And I'm talking massive artists all the time who are like, how did you, how did you get that? How were you on Rocking the Daisies? How are you, you know, how are you, um, you know, performing at Opi Kopi? How are you, how are you you doing all these festivals? How are you doing that? Because honestly, if you can ask any artist, and I I challenge you to ask any artist that you interview next, when it comes to performance, everybody wants to be at festivals. And Jägermeister gave me that. Um, They honestly put me in a space that I dreamed of. I wanted to travel with my music. And, um... They allowed me to do that. They allowed me to be the artist that I wanted to be, which was an artist that got to travel with my music, be on stages, meet different cultures, meet different people. They took me to Swaziland. I, I, that, that, that was, that, that festival was nuts. Um, they took me literally, it, um, they really put me in spaces that I could only dream of. I, I till now, I have no idea how I'd, I'd be able to be in the places that they took me to. And, um, yo, wow. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful at the fact that even till now, they still are so loyal to me. Um, they've made it clear every single time, um, with my festival, I, I had a conversation and I told them, I think I'm ready to do my own festival. They backed really? immediately, immediately. And they helped me put my festival together. Um, they are a partner in my festival. They helped me with my Dololo music video. I had no one to help me, no one to fund it. Jägermeister came immediately, came running and helped me, helped me with it. And that's the relationship I have with them. And that's why whenever they call, I answer. And whenever I call, they answer. It is, it's a family. That's what I have with them. Yeah, you know, and I think their relationship with with music extends to the arts as well because, I mean, they've also played a huge role in my career and, and they sent me to Hanzi in Botswana to cover a metal festival, my goodness. which was one of the craziest experiences <laughs> of my life, probably similar to whatever happened in Swaziland yep. with you. But, <laughs> but like, I mean, re- really, shout out Bia and the whole team because, I mean, if it wasn't for her and brands, like Jaeger, um, I think we it would have taken us much longer to get to where agreed. we wanted to be. Agreed, <laughs> agreed, agreed. Zero support. But talk to me about the next chapter for Rouge because I know that before lockdown you were at the Red Bull Studios in Cape Town yeah. recording, RIP. Yeah. God, I miss that place. Yeah. Um, and then that was obviously halted. But what is your next step? So right now, very excited. Finally going to release my second album. And um, yeah, like I said, I took a sabbatical. I said no. Very scary time to say no to considering that it's COVID. So every opportunity is very important. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, sorry, can I just add, that's also why I thank Jägermeister. Because um, even them um, creating programs where artists could just, you know, teach people, just enable to help us during this time, um, which was, th- there was just no help. Um, Yeah, you were part of the Save the Night campaign. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that campaign was important, not just for everyone who was coming to learn things, but they literally just did it just because they're like, artists, you need help. You need help. And we are going to create something whereby we can help you, where you can get some type of funding, where you can be able to survive this dark time. And we are literally going to save the night. Literally, literally. Mm -hmm. And I tell you now, there are not a lot of brands who did that. There are not a lot of brands who thought of that. And that was their entire purpose. Once again, just showing how much they show up for artists, even when everyone just is like, okay, cool. Um, you know, it's been nice. Keep it pushing. Um, but yeah, as I was saying, 
um, yeah, I, I literally decided to, you know, take a sabbatical now and finish this album um, because I felt like, you know, I've been so much about the branding, so much about everything else that's been going on, which is great, but I, I needed to go back to the source again, which is the project. I feel like people are finally ready for my second album. People have been, you know, enjoying the music that I've been releasing, which makes me so happy. And I think they're finally ready to hear, you know, what is Rouge about now? Where is she now? Cause I'm not the same Rouge as I was when I released the New Year's Sessions, when I released Dololo, when I released Mbongo Zaga, there is a growth that has happened and I feel like they need to experience it with me because I'm watching my fan base grow with me as well um so there's that there's movies coming out that I can't tell people about but yes um yeah there's that there's there's festivals there's yeah there's a lot there's a lot that's happening which I'm very excited about well, Rouge, I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining me on Text Talks today. And I cannot wait for the next album and your next chapter and the movies and the festival <laughs> and all of the f- phenomenal things that you're going to do, that I know you're going to do. And I can't wait for lockdown to end so, so I can be stage right at your festival. 100%. That sounds like an absolute joy. 100%. Thank, thank you. you so, so, so much for having me. This chat was amazing. I've ne- The questions you asked very refreshing um so much appreciated <laughs> thank you so 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 much for taking the time we're in the same whatsapp group we don't even have the same interests we don't even like the same things we don't even pin the same pic on pinterest we're in the same whatsapp group how the man i want about the inner pole i think i got the error in your conversation you pay attention to percentages on twitter posts but i figured though they're eating up my work like and every single figure man you better watch your figure though I'm working on the views, see the brand came through with a check, I got the figures though. You really think you're better, like how, who, when, and why? Girl, I gotta know. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, why you never like a nigga hell figure out white girl, cause the black don't crack. Nah. Even through the pipe, no crack. Even through the concrete, nigga don't crack. You can bring the pressure, but I'm gonna push back. We're paid off with the patience, and now we win awards, it's amazing. To the point where they think we're Freemason, they don't believe I work, never paid them, they don't believe my God picked the way, and they don't believe this girl beat your favorite. They don't believe I remain independent, slave or Goliath, slug it as David. Man, what I come up, feature so bright, but my stunners. So you and I can never compete, so please broadcast to the others in the same WhatsApp group that we don't even have the same interests. We don't even like the same things. We don't even pin the same pic on Pinterest. We ain't in the same WhatsApp group. How the man I wonder about the inner pole. I think I got the error in your conversation. You pay attention to percentages on Twitter pages, but I think I don't. Mon flow n'est jamais ridé. Tu peux tuer les révolutionnaires, mais pas les idées. Je commence la guerre, toi ton chargeur est déjà vidé. Et j'ai pas de GPS, il n'y a que Dieu qui peut me guider. Je suis négro maghrébin et bridé. Un million d'euros, moi je les préfère en liquider. Congo, Sénégal, Ouest, Africa comme les dialogues. Congo, les riches et mégalos, appelle-moi Kofi Olomide. Uh, c'est pas la mode, c'est juste une question de style. Millionnaire, c'est juste une question de style. On n'a jamais été mystique, jamais été miskin. Le whisky te reste ton crâne. 18 carats, alors reste ton calme. Ex-Kara devenu responsable. 2020, c'est pas les 60s. Viens, on braque les vitrines, victime et rien tout se casse. Depuis les ghettos de Kin, je suis en mission. Personne peut stopper mon crime, mes ambitions. Et jamais je recule, beau maillet, ma production. La police m'accuse avant même mon audition. Affronter les problèmes, esquiver les critiques. La famille, la monnaie, la foi, c'est le triptyque. Le talent, la prière, l'amour coûte que coûte. La concurrence et moi, aucun doute. C'est pas le même WhatsApp group. We don't even have the same interests. We don't even like the same things. We don't even pin the same pick on Pinterest. We ain't in the same WhatsApp group. How the man, I wonder about the inner pole. I think I got the error in your conversation. You pay attention to percentages on Twitter posts, but I figured no. And that's the same goes. We all cannot be wearing the same clothes. You came in the game when I was a legend. You're not even on my level, regardless, nigga. We ain't close. Or maybe because we're doing the same shows. You probably think we're fucking the same hoes. I know you find it difficult to be second in line, but nigga, I think it's time to let the pain go. But you gotta lay low, nigga. You be tripping on the Twitter page. You wanna start a war, but you been afraid. Got a lot of beef on my dinner plate. I don't really believe in nothing. I'm just a renegade. Nobody better, nobody brave, nobody did it. Stacking the channel, man, I'm the great. Fuck all the critics. No matter the weather, setting the pace, bending the bridges, stopping my nigga. No competition, man. I'm the biggest of all. When you were shopping, I was busy buying the mall. Decade in the game, they still be crying for more. Whatever you do in the guy, I did it before. Two yes more, but I can push you to four. Fuck up some commas. Don't wanna be dealing with the dramas. You wanna talk rap, man? I'm chilling in Bahamas. I never take it personal. I'm still in my pajamas. We ain't in the same WhatsApp group. We don't even have the same in. 
interests. We don't even like the same things. We don't even pin the same pic on Pinterest. We ain't in the same WhatsApp group. How the man I wanna buy the inner pole. I think I got the error in your conversation. You pay attention to percentages on Twitter polls, but I figured no. Shout out to Rouge for joining me on this week's episode. Text Talks is coming to you from the amazing Kaya Creative Studios at Neighborhood in beautiful Cape Town, South Africa. Shout out to Tom's, the only music store for keeping us connected. From me, your host Tex, my producers Jonathan Ings and Matt Lutz, and our researcher L Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>